welcome to another episode of Dear Bear Book Club. I'm Kirsty, And I'm Nikki. <laughs> and I'm just going to fucking jump right into it this week and say that this episode is cursed. Yes. Because... 100%. What is this? The third time we've tried to record? But hopefully the third time's the charm. Uh, yeah. So the first time we recorded, um, we thought all was fine. But, um... Yeah, and I feel like it was a good episode, too, so it's really too bad. Yeah, we really rocked it. But, um... Nikki's mic was connected to... Or the... Oh my god, what am I trying to say? The recording went through the wrong mic mic device. So, um... The audio wasn't super great. So we were like, okay, it's fine. We'll just re-record it. We went to re-record just after... Well, there was a few times we tried to re-record this and then the timing just like never worked out that we could fit it in. Someone was sick or like there was always something. And then then we went to re-record it last week. And it it was not long after. Nikki had just moved into her brand new house, which is absolutely beautiful. And we couldn't get the internet to be (sighs) kind with us. (laughs) And it was not not willing for us to record no um which and I figure it was so nice because we like sit and chat before we start recording and it was like pretty much fine the entire time that we were like chatting and then as soon as we started to record it was like yeah no Mm -hmm. um and maybe it's because our husbands were playing games like I don't know like I feel like that probably contributed to it like at least a bit yeah but it just didn't work um so we were like okay, well, we need to maybe just do it next week. Uh, which is funny. In my in my notebook, I had take two. So now it's like... <laughs> take seven? Um, I literally had to get my brother to come in and install like a wired internet connection for me. So we're already two minutes and 26 seconds in and nothing has... Nothing's happened yet. So that's good. So thanks, Matthew. We appreciate you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um yeah so yeah I mean like you said we we moved in we're all moved in we're pretty much unpacked now which is great we're fucking deliriously happy and that's boring as fuck so I'm not gonna (laughs) I'm not gonna get too much into it yeah but I will say that oh my god like if there's one thing I've learned about this like moving back here buying our house and shit like that like if there is something and I think it goes for you too because you got into school you're gonna be a teacher thank you um yeah I think it goes for both of us to say that like if there is something that you feel like will make you happier than you are in your current situation you should just go for it yeah like for me applying for school it was on a complete whim and I like didn't tell anybody about it until I had like sent my application and the only person that knew was Joseph and like the people that I reached out for references and maybe like two other people like it was very I kept it very tight circle because I was like this could go wrong because it had done previously Mm -hmm. um but then I found out that I have gotten accepted into one school and I have an interview for another one so but I thought this was something I wanted to do for a while and then I just like you know what I have 20 days to get the application in I can do this Mm -hmm. actually I think it was less than 20 days it was very (laughs) very very tight turnaround um but like, yeah. I mean, even if 
like even if because I think about this a lot and it's always scary to make a huge life decision like that Mm -hmm. but definitely like if there's a chance that it can make you happy you should do it and then if it doesn't in the end or if it ends up being the wrong decision then you just make the next decision like it's just I don't know. I'm so one much... step at a time. Yeah, exactly. One... I'm so much happier now, and I'm so glad that we made this decision, and I'm so glad that like I'm in the position that I am in now. And anyway, I just wanted to give that little nugget of wisdom because, yeah, I'm like fucking happy as fuck. <laughs> like we were literally sitting on our couch when we moved in like the first night and like everyone had come to help us and we had so many people so we got moved in so easily and that was so great and we were sitting on our couch we had like a glass of wine each and we were like watching a movie and we were just like crying because we're like think about how different our life is from a year ago and it's because we just decided to make the choice to make ourselves happier and it's like why didn't we make this decision sooner Mm-hmm. And I know that there was, like, a lot of factors, and it's not that easy to change your situation like like that, but anyway, you should you should do things that make you happy, and if it doesn't make you happy, you just move on to the next thing you think might hit, make you happy, because there's no point in sitting in a position where you're miserable. Definitely. Yeah. Anyway, that's what's going on with me. Oh, but also, I... So... The next few books I've actually already read. (laughs) Well, this one I read for sure. It was a long time ago. So I had some actual time to read some books for fun. Well, I read Mm -hmm. read one book for fun. And I read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Yay. By our bestie, Taylor Jenkins Reid. Like, so good. Like, uh, I don't know if I'll ever, like, I don't know what I would ever pick it for for a theme. But, like, I highly recommend it. I think you have it. I don't know if you've read it yet, but... No, I opened it at Christmas time, but I had to put my reading efforts into reading uh, Sally Rooney. So I yeah. like read the first few pages and I was like, oh, I'm going to get hooked. So let's yeah. let's not get hooked when I actually have to do like podcast homework. That's the thing. I just don't understand how she's such a good writer that like within the first three pages, you're like, mm-hmm. you're in it. I also really like that I know I've only read two of her books but like there's small cameos in like yeah um in each of her books and her new one that's coming yes. out um has to do with a character that was in Malibu Rising yeah um which is very neat well I'm not sure I'm, I'm worried about that one because I am a little concerned too <laughs> because, because that character is slightly problematic yeah um but I mean I don't know maybe, maybe it'll be okay but um I'm sure whatever she'll do, the like, the story will be, be great. Yes, but like same thing with like I think Seven Husbands was before. Um, well, it was definitely before Malibu Rising, but was it before Daisy Jones? I can't remember. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. I'll double check right now, but. Um... But yeah, like Mick Riva is in Seven Seven. He's one of the Seven Husbands. Maybe that's a spoiler, but. Oh. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Um. Oh. Yeah, I was just about to say, well, yeah, that had to have been out before Malibu Rising, but obviously it came out before Malibu yeah, Rising. Yeah, no, I know it came out before Malibu, Malibu Rising, Rising just came out. Yeah, um, I just didn't know if it was before, like, Daisy Jones also. Yeah. Um, I, don't know, I can't remember. Maybe it was between Daisy Jones and Malibu Rising. Give me one second. Bibliography. 
Yeah, it came out just before. It was the book before Daisy Jones and the Six. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So she's clearly whoop, um, <laughs> writing characters to be in subse- subsequent books. And I like that. That's neat. I know that like all of her like all her books are set in the same universe, so they're all living in the same like time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just a really great book. I highly recommend it, and uh, it really makes because it's I like I don't even think I read the back of the book before I bought it, and I just started reading it, so I didn't I really had no idea what the what it was gonna be about. But basically, it's about like Evelyn Hugo. She's like an actress, like in the fifties and sixties. So it's like old Hollywood. And, and the front of the like, cover of the book is, it gives me like um, Kira Knightley in Atonement mm, vibes because of yes, the like the emerald dress. dress. And I really want a green dress to like. I have yeah. I have one. It's like vintage like forties like circle skirts. I think what? I must have had it. I don't. I my I had it here in Regina for a really long time. Like I didn't bring it with me to to BC. We need but, to have like a dress up episode where we yeah. dress up. <laughs> well, we'll have to video that one then. I have to clean my room if I'm gonna do that. <laughs> um, yeah. So now it, it makes like it made me want to watch like all of those like old Hollywood kind of movies. So mm-hmm. if anybody has any recommendations on like where I should start with that, give us an email at dearbreadbookclub@gmail.com or message us on Instagram because I just don't know where to start. And like everybody says, like. There's all these, like, I'm sure there's great movies, but anyway, Evan was like, if you want to start watching old movies, let's watch Citizen Kane. And I fell asleep in 15 minutes. So that was were not they, the one for me. Were they making um, a TV series of Seven Husbands of... Uh... Oh, no, it was Daisy Jones and the Six. Sorry, yeah. I'm getting all my, like, books confused. <laughs> um, But on the, like, non-related, like book of today i also read a good book recently where i didn't know like how we could fit it in but now that i'm thinking about it the book was originally written in a different language so we could do it for like mm-hmm. an episode like that but um just a small shout out to anxious people by friedrich bachman um i tried to read this book in this oh like about a year ago um But as a very anxious person, I was finding the book to be too much for me. Um, And I was like, well, a book about anxious people is probably not going to sit very well with you. Um, But I recently discovered the app Libby, where you can sign up with your local library card and get different um, books and audiobooks. Um, Yeah, so I decided... Yeah. (laughs) And I was like oh you know i've 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 struggled like actually reading the like physical book maybe i'll give the audiobook a go and i loved it it was so good like i was hmm. crying at the end um it was a very good book and you know i i think i probably just needed more time into not being the headspace i was in at the time to read it yeah but wonderful book and definitely has like a very good critique on life but also like inspirational at the same time. Very well done book. Um, and he's written a few other things. I think um, A Man Called Ove is another okay. one of his books. I've been seeing um, a lot of that one, like on Bookstagram or whatever. Yeah. So. And this one's really pretty. It's like a bright mustard color, um, the book. Um, 
Yeah, and I love like every single chapter to like start off with, and even like far into the book, it almost has like a little cliffhanger or thing, or like it's like the last few sentences leave you with something that you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes to like another chapter in somebody else's perspective, and then it leaves you with like something, and all of the people that are in the book, like have a connection to each other because of this event that's happening in the book which is like a hostage situation but there's all of these like little backstories of like how people may have known each other in like different ways and it's really really cool um nice very well done book um all right have to take a look yeah maybe we can figure out where those two can fit into episode wise but yeah yeah um oh also i think so i think we talked about this on the original um episode that we recorded because i think it Mm -hmm. was posted like that day but um we're getting two more books from beth o'leary yay other than the no show so the no show is still coming out it's coming out in april actually so i just pre-ordered it. oh really i pre-ordered that one just the other day because i also i had pre-ordered the office ladies book okay as well but I pre-ordered it to like ship to my um, address in Vancouver, so I had to cancel that because mm. I had pre-ordered it with something else. I think it was maybe the road trip. So obviously the road trip had shipped, but like that one wasn't going to ship until it's out. I think it's out in May. Mm-hmm. So I had to cancel that pre-order and like have it shipped to this address now. <laughs> <laughs> so then I was like, oh well, in order to get like the free shipping, I have to order another book. Huh, like what a burden. So yep. <laughs> I pre-ordered the no show. So that I think it's like April 25th or something that's coming out. So we're getting that one and also two more books that mm-hmm. I can't remember when she said they were gonna be released, but it'll be like a bit more time in between books. Yeah. Which good for her. She needs to take a break, honestly. Yeah. Didn't she just have a kid too? Um, yeah, I think like her baby is uh, maybe about a year now. Yeah, maybe he's. I don't know if it's a boy actually. It might be a girl. I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, I don't think she actually showed shows too many pictures. No. Of, um. But. Yeah, and she also released like a small little um, kind of epilogue situation to the road trip as well. Did you Did read you it? know that? Mm-hmm. Um, I started reading it, but. I think it was like I had downloaded it or had seen it at work. So I was like, oh, I'll download it right now um, on my lunch break. And I started looking at it and was like, oh, I, I like got distracted by something and, and was like, I'll just read it later. So I haven't actually read it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw it, but I haven't. I didn't. Is it free or do you have to pay for it? I think you had to sign up to subscribe to her, but mm. you got it, like, um, but I think she's had some problems with, like, people not getting access to it, so, um, mm. if I figure it out, I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Any, anything else? Yeah. Also, side note, I know we've done this before, but, um, if you pre-order books, it's very good for yes. the author and, um, to get contracts to write further books um and it's good for like all their like ratings and stuff ahead of time um if you pre-order books so pre-order books especially from like your local independent place yes yeah anything else i don't think so we should just dive into this this episode (laughs) again (laughs) again once more i'm not sure how it's gonna go because (laughs) it's been a while since i read this book but I remember how I felt about it, so hopefully I can, I can fuck my way through it. 
So um, when we originally did this episode, this was going to be like a Valentine's Day episode, right? You betcha. So I'm just like flicking through to my notes on this. Um, and at one point it says Nikki's headphones turn off. So that may be when oh. like, the audio went berserk. And then at one hour, 23 minutes, this was the first time you got a house. <laughs> yes. Was in this episode, and it was going to yeah. be so hilarious as like a tidbit, but you didn't get that house. But no, um, we did not, and that's why it was suspicious because mm-hmm. they were accepted. So like we literally put in the offer, and then I was like, I gotta go record. So mm-hmm. like Evan, it was like an hour in or something like that. yeah. You said an hour and twenty six minutes. Yeah, and Evan was like, they accepted. So they accepted so fast that I was kind of like, mm, what does that mean? Sus. <laughs> yeah, it was sus. So, uh, yeah. So, that is another reason why this episode is cursed. Because that house was a shithole. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. It wasn't meant to be. Yep. But, yes. Yeah, so, this originally, this episode was originally supposed to be released near Galentine's Day. So, our episode theme today is female friendships. Yep. And we're going to release it around international women's day right yeah so instead of Valentine's day it's gonna be for international women's day so happy international women's day this is a female friendship episode and you should tell all of the women in your life how much you appreciate them and we're gonna talk about some of those relationships today <laughs> yep and you're going first Kirsty. yep So my book is Queenie by Candice Carty-Williams. And uh, Carty-Williams is a British author. Um, I'm pretty sure she's based in London. And the book itself is um, based in London. And it's about this girl, Queenie, who um, lives in London and about her experiences of like this pretty traumatic point in her life and she's had some previous trauma that um it's kind of underlying but a lot of like the relationships that she has are like very unhealthy and just kind of like the way that her like mental health and she navigates those like relationships is like what the story is based around but I find I like picked this book because at the heart of it she has like this core group of friends and I love it because in the book itself she uh, I'm just gonna like show Nikki a picture of it though um it has like text messaging kind of style um so it's really neat um because then you can read it very clearly of like who she's like talking with at the time and it like sometimes flips back into between where she like it's like between like the text and stuff in the book. So um, somebody will send her a text and then she's like, I tried my luck. It was two in the morning. I'll give him five minutes and then I'll get an Uber and then like a message back. And so it's kind of neat because that's kind of how we, we really function a lot of the time. Like we go about mm-hmm. her business. So it's really neat to like have that constructed in. But the uh, one of the main purposes of this is um, she creates a group chat with her like three best like close friends so one of them um 
oh my goodness, I should have looked up what their names were because now I've just blanked. Um, Darcy is one of them, and she's like her work best friend. And um, oh, here we go. So Darcy's her work best friend, and then there's Cassandra, who she met, I think, while she was at college. And then there's uh, oh shoot. I want to say Keisha, but I don't think that's exactly how you say her name. They they pronounced it in the audiobook, and now I can't remember her name. Um, but she's, like, her friend that she's had for, like, a very long time. And because, like, the, the main person, her name's Queenie, she changes the group name to the Corgis because they are her, like, um, like, the queen loves her Corgis. They support her like they're all doing for her. I'm like, that's great. Like, I love that. It's a little, like, moment of, like, self-love that we sometimes need to lean in more to. And so, really, those, like, girls get her through, like, the absolute worst moments. Particularly two of them. Um, There is a moment with Cassandra where that relationship goes off the fucking edge. Um... But Cassandra does, like, come back in the end, realizes that she was, like, a shit. Because Queenie ends up dating the guy, or, like, sleeping with the guy that she's, like, seeing. But, like, there's no... Queenie doesn't know that at the mm-hmm. time. She just, like, had, um, I think, met him at a party or something. And she's also been put on dating sites and stuff. Like, when she was at a party, people were like, oh, you're newly single. Let's put you on, like, OkCupid and um, Tinder and stuff. Like, so she gets, like, responses. And I'm pretty sure that's how she meets him. So it isn't, like, a... She didn't, like, intentionally go after him. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. But turns out he is, like, an absolute shit. But there's just, like, a bunch of men in her life who are just proving themselves to be unreliable shits and yeah so i suppose i should read a little description of it on the back of the book there's no like it's a very short description um which i like to have something a bit more concrete so i'm pretty sure i got this online somewhere for fans of luster and i may destroy you a disarmingly honest unapologetic black and undeniably witty debut novel that will spark or that will speak to those who have gone looking for love and found something very different in its place queenie jenkins is a 25 year old jamaican british woman living in london straddling two cultures and slotting neatly into neither she works at a national newspaper where she's constantly forced to compare herself to her white middle class peers after a messy breakup from her long-term white boyfriend queenie seeks comfort in all the wrong places including several hazardous men who do a good job of occupying brain space and a bad job of affirming self-worth. As Queenie careens from one questionable decision to another, she finds herself wondering, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Who do you want to be? All of the questions today's woman must face in a world trying to answer them for her. With a fresh and honest prose, Queenie is a remarkably relatable experience of what means to be a modern woman searching for meaning in today's world. So, really, she, like, throughout the book, she has, like, several really, really traumatic and shitty sexual encounters. Um, She gets suspended from her job, and 
her like long-term relationship you never see her in the relationship like at the very beginning of the book she's like they're they like are breaking up so you don't really there's like a lot of flashback scenes with tom who was the long-term boyfriend but there's never like she's never with him throughout the book there's it Mm -hmm. whenever it's referencing to like time with him it's always like flashbacks Mm -hmm. um and he really was a shit he like never defended queenie against his family's like racism and they're just really like you can see as the book progresses at the beginning she's like trying to like fight and be like we were such a good fit for each other but like you can kind of see ah they're not really a good fit for each other but as like it goes she like slowly understands yeah no like he needed to defend me like he needed Mm -hmm. to stick up for me like you need to have your partners back at all times and if you can't defend them against like your own family's racism like there's 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 a problem um well i'm just wondering like so like you said he's white right yeah i don't understand why you wouldn't say something like you clearly like if you were in a relationship with this person you clearly love them or like Mm -hmm. i don't know obviously it sounds like he's a shitty guy but like like why wouldn't you say like i'm with this person like well a lot of the times in the book like the way it was like like an uncle would say something or oh very distinctly the grandmother was like oh if you have kids um you want them to be like um like a milky down version of you and it's like so it's not something that like i suppose many people would see as like outright outright like you're not saying like the n-word or like anything where it's like very very strictly like severe racism Mm -hmm. like it's not Mm -hmm. it's all like the very small not small um it's like um almost like inherent like passive aggressive racism yeah like passive racism like very much like it tr- it like can fly under the radar a lot, but if you actually like think about it, it's like oh that's really really shitty, mm-hmm. um and that's very much blatant racism, but it, it's not in the more obvious sense. Yeah, and Tom is just like not a great time, and she like things come to a blow when it's Tom's mom's birthday and an uncle or somebody says something, and she's like take that back um oh i think they were gonna split up for teams or something um to play a game and the uncle was like oh we'll go on t-shirt color or somebody says we'll go on t-shirt color so she's like okay i'm wearing like a light color so she goes to one side and he's like oh no 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 you can't go over to this side like and it's like why not i'm wearing white and he's like yeah but like you're not wearing white or like and it's what yeah like and she's like wait what like like no so she like blows up about this and goes to leave and knocks as she's going in she like knocks into the mom who's taking her like birthday cake in so then there's like birthday cake ends up everywhere and tom is like you ruined my mom's birthday Mm. like you need to like she's like i'm gonna go home and he's like yeah go home and she's like well aren't you coming with me and he's like no I'm gonna stay here for my mom's birthday you need to go home Mm. and she's like but it wasn't my fault and he's like no you ruined my mom's birthday 
And yeah, just so while that like you see the flashbacks and stuff happening she starts there's this guy at work who starts chatting to her and through several points in the book before she I think really realizes she's having panic attacks Hmm. and this is something that I'm actually quite surprised that when I read this book was like the height of like when I was having like several panic attacks a week so she starts there's this guy at her work and uh, yeah I'm surprised that I did actually start reading this book when I did because this was when I was like having multiple panic attacks a week where Queenie's also having panic attacks so when I was rereading this a couple weeks ago I was like oh lord this is stressful to like listen to because because I was listening to the audiobook this is stressful to listen to and having to realize okay this is something that's happened to somebody in a book it's not my panic attack is not happening um wow that must be a good description then yeah like a fairly good and it like you're more stereotypical panic attack of the like breathing like Mm. constantly um because I've since learned there are many different panic attacks and forms of it where like you can zone out and things which um they are present in the book as well but there is the like very stereotypical like hyperventilating situations in it which yeah um was kind of freaky to read but I I think one of those is happening but she doesn't really realize that it's happening and Ted comes over and talks to her and is like how are you like do you need a hand or anything like that and she describes him as this like guy who wears tweed and he seems like a very like geeky kind of person. He works in like a particular department at the newspaper. I think that's more to do with like tech. And yeah. Seems like a very nice guy, but you can tell like he is super keen in knowing Queenie. Mm-hmm. And the second the first time I read it, I remember thinking like, oh, he seems really nice, like and very sweet. Like she should maybe let somebody like that into her life. Second time I read it, I was like, this dude's bordering on harassment. And it's, I think it's maybe because I gained a little perspective because I know how his story pans out, but definitely, um, like he invites her out for a drink and he's, she's like, well, I I can, but I'm meant to be going to see, um, the fireworks with my friends. So like, I, I don't like, it has to be quick. So she leaves work early and this becomes a trend, like her workflow, her work, like just doesn't stand out because she's leaving work early she's going to like appointments and things like that she's just like letting her work kind of go to shit and but all of this is definitely like a reflection on like her mental state at the time Mm -hmm. and yeah so things don't pan out very well with him because it turns out he then reports her for harassment yeah and all of this happens after, like, she goes in over the holidays at one point to edit something that somebody else had, like, screwed up on. So she goes in to fix it because her editor calls and says, you need to go in today. So I think it's, like, Boxing Day or something they go in. Hmm. And he's working there. So he, like, messages her a few times and is, like, you should meet me. And then he, like, almost, like, forces her into, like, the toilets. And they have sex in the toilets and yeah then immediately afterwards 
he like wants nothing to do with her and then it's almost as if she gave him the goods and he's like well i've tasted it now i don't want anything to fucking do with you anymore and it's (sighs) just such like toxic behavior yeah so yeah so he's just like in the line of like there's a few different guys and there's somebody that she's like obviously become friends with he's always like flirting with her and stuff and being like oh i'd love to tap that but she ends up like Mm. not feeling very great about herself so she's like she like eventually just like relents and lets him have sex with her and i I definitely think it's more her just letting people have sex with her not really like enjoying it enjoying it there's definitely like at times and then she meets somebody like through the tinder thing who i've already mentioned but he turns out to be like so rough with her that at one point she realizes that she's had unprotected sex with like four different people that she goes for like a clinic checkup and they bring like um they refer her to get like um like mental health like uh to speak to like a counselor because they are very concerned because it looks like she's um I think what they're applying is like it looks like she's been raped because mm-hmm. it's so violent. She has bruises on her thighs and like there's bruising like in the area and stuff and they're just very concerned about her well being. And rightfully so, like as like medical professionals, you really do have to like if somebody comes in and they mm-hmm. like look like that, you do have to be very careful. And she's like, No, 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 like it's fine I like consented to everything like it was a little rough but like it was fine but I think in some ways she's also denying a lot of it mm-hmm. um it's like did she actually consent to the roughness or was it and I really like when you really look and read read into it I don't think that she really did mm-hmm. um so but throughout this whole time like her friend Darcy and stuff they like they're really much um they're very much trying to be there for it at one point she's like oh yeah the doctor tried to get me like to go see a counselor her friend's like yes that sounds like a great idea um very much being super supportive of like you need to like yeah Mm -hmm. take these resources and um see somebody so yeah as much as like there's all of this other shit going on in her life i definitely do feel like the shining light through it is like her friendship and yeah um, she also has like a very loving uh, relationship with her grandparents and they come round to the idea because they are um, originally from Jamaica and they're like, nobody in our family has seen a counsellor. You bring shame to this household um, <laughs> to start with. But they come round to the idea of like her seeing a counsellor and they do become supportive of it in their own way. Um, but to start off with, they're like, nobody in our house has seen a psychologist there's no way um which i feel there's a lot of different people like it takes a lot to even overcome your own like ideas of like i shouldn't be going to therapy and things like that and takes a lot to get over it but um yeah i i feel that we are very much trying as a society to be a lot better and more accepting of that um Mm. but yeah it's still difficult Uh, Yeah, it's hard to, like, I hate that because 
I don't know. And like, I feel like it's a lot of our parents' generation, maybe mm-hmm. like our grandparents' generation that was like, there's no way, like, keep it in the family. Nobody oh, yeah. wants, like, nobody, nobody needs to know you're crazy, quote unquote crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's just, yeah. I'm glad that that's starting to be over, but that's just such a, like, frustrating thing to have to overcome when your family. Yeah, you're at your, like, lowest points, and you're maybe not getting the most support that you need at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, like, as a side note to all of this, um, I am not a black woman. I am white, and throughout the book, it's very interesting to read this, um, to know, like... There maybe is like some things that you would be like, oh, well, that's like leaning towards like not being okay. But she's very much like, that's not okay. At one mm-hmm. point, she writes out like the the three people that are allowed to touch her hair. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, me, my hairstylist. And the third thing on the list is, that's it. Those are the two people that are allowed yeah. to touch my hair. And, like, I know that that's, like, a a thing that's been talked about a lot, but I still think some people don't realize that, like, no, you wouldn't just go and touch anybody's hair. Why do you think it's okay to touch, like, a black woman's, like, hair? Just because it's, like, it's different from your own? Like, I just don't get that at all. Yeah. I know that, like, it's a thing, like, and it's, like, a problem. I just don't understand, like, in what civilized society would you go up to somebody, anybody, and just be like, hey, can I touch your hair? Like, yeah. wh- how, why would you ever think that that would be okay? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That's that's a weird but one for me. there's just, like, some other little things that throughout the book, like, are noted upon. And even just, like, the way that, like, like, black women's bodies are, like, constantly sexualized. Yeah. And, like, I get it that a lot of, like, most women at some point in their life will have their body sexualized but it does seem that like they are proportional to way more sexualization than um white women are and Mm -hmm. like this book is like i i thought was very good at being like these things are just like so shit for like anybody to have to deal with but to have to deal with them like on an almost constant basis it's tiring and mm-hmm. that was just a side note I do did want to say like obviously the experiences in here I can relate to an extent but I cannot relate to all of it um mm-hmm. but I think that it's very good to sometimes also read books that are not from like your perspective so that you gain a better perspective of other people um yeah, definitely. yeah. so with that too like they um also thought that she was maybe a sex worker and she's like why are you asking me that when she's like at the clinic um and they're like potentially asking her like did you consent to this there's almost like hints like are you a sex worker and stuff and she's like is this because of like what my race is or anything like that and just like that's another problem too like but i guess like sometimes within the medical world they do do just have to ask these questions um Mm. but like the utter disregard that men have for her is horrendous 
Um, so there's another guy that she was like friends with who like said, oh, I just like, he was always just like joking with her that he like wanted to have sex with her. He's like married. And at one point, like she had, when she did have sex with him, she put her underwear in his glove compartment. So then she like sees him at one point on the street, but then his wife comes over and is like, is this this like fat bitch that you like were sleeping with that underwear was in your car and stuff? And she's like, whoa, what the hell? Um, and he basically shuts down and doesn't say anything. Of and course, like, because... What fucking slimy shit. Um, so really, there's like four guys in the book that are just like truly shit. The long-term boyfriend, Tom. Ted, the guy that she works with. Addy, who is the the guy that she sleeps with in his car that his wife like finds out and then the guy that she often refers to is the welshman who his name is guy and he's the one who has really rough sex with her like all the time um who then turns out to be dating her friend so and i that is kind of a spoiler that i did say but like it's just her friend does not her friend basically sees her as like the enemy and completely disregards even hearing her side of things Mm. so i really don't think that cassandra holds up to my like you're a really good friend in this book she definitely doesn't she's a shit and she's very (laughs) self-centered the other two are definitely there for queenie throughout it all and i don't know it's just very good to see that they're like you're not okay you need help and yeah, I mean, it's for, like, to their credit, like, it's one thing to, like, talk to your friends about stuff that's going on in your life. It's another thing to talk to, like, a counselor. Mm-hmm. Like, because your friends can only be so supportive of you. Like, they, yeah. they will, they can be there for you, but, like, with stuff like mental health and, and They're not like a professional. That, Exactly. And like, I think that you get a lot of different things from counseling, like um, ways, ways of coping. Yeah, they definitely set you up with um, tools to help you out. So I think that that's like, really great that they were Mm -hmm. trying to get her to go to somebody else because that's what they knew she needed. Yeah. And to know that you also have like that support like it sounds like she didn't have the support of her family at least at the beginning so to have those people in her life to say mm-hmm. this is something that you need to do maybe would have been the yeah and for a bit of the book like you don't really see her mom in the picture for quite a bit of the book but it like slowly peels back that like um until like at the end where it's revealed like her mom was like in a previous relationship with someone who beat her and was like physically and verbally abusive to her um Mm -hmm. and queenie had to live at that point and then when she's seen a counselor she at one point admits that when she was like i think 14 they got a separate apartment for queenie to live in on her own okay um (laughs) which she shouldn't that's a problem that is a problem but the mom at the time couldn't like 
like detach herself from this guy turns out like the guy like stole all of her money and made her like sell the house that she had like the property that that she had and like took all her money from it but during like most of the book the mom is like queenie's mom is going to court so she like wants to like not she like almost like distances herself from queenie because she doesn't want her to be hurt even more because obviously she was like in the house when a lot of stuff happened with her mom too and had like got a lot of verbal abuse um Mm. so she like she states at one point she um her friend is like why don't you just date black guys and she's like you know why i can't and it's because of that guy being so like abusive to her that um yeah Mm. um just like really horrible so there's all of this like previous trauma so this book like would be very triggering on a lot of levels levels for some people um but i do think it's a really really good book um and in all honesty like a lot of the the portrayal or no that's not where i'm going with this thought um her grandparents are really like uh like shining light as well within this book because she has a really close bond with them and I think in a sense they almost fill in for her parents for like a little bit because her dad lives um back in Jamaica he like moved back there and she has like not much to do with him anymore and he has like a new family so there's really that detachment and the mum's going through all the court stuff and wants like keep Queenie out of that as much as possible. So she's really close with her grandparents and like that really hit with me because I'm really close with my grandparents and grew up really close with them. Um, and just like those bonds with her family but also the bonds with her um, friends show like a real like solidarity that's really, really good. And as much as like you have all of that in your life and have like a really core foundation still your whole life can fall around you and Mm -hmm. you can spiral and not that it's okay but it is okay that those things happen it's not a not like a detriment to like who you are Mm -hmm. um but I also feel like I have I'm very fortunate in my life that I have really solid people in my life that I can count on um I can also be a shitty friend like Queenie is at times she can be a shitty friend she's not there for her friends at times but I feel like also that there's an understanding that even if you're not going through the best of times that you will be there for each other during the rough times um and I think that like obviously family is a little bit different from that but um she has a very good relationship with a lot of her family members because there's an aunt and a cousin that's mentioned in the book and as much as like in previous episodes of the podcast I've mentioned sometimes when you have too many characters it can get confusing this I don't feel that any of the characters like there was too many of them I feel like everybody had their right part in the story Mm. um there was a lot of characters but I don't feel that it was like unnecessarily cluttered with people either um Mm -hmm. so yeah but um the things I really liked about it was well I don't know if this is a thing you would say that you like about it but like the honest (laughs) portrayal of like sexual encounters with men like 
There was no frills. It was sometimes mm. really difficult to read. Um, but it was, I think, a really honest portrayal of what a lot of women go through and what is expected of women. Because um, you're not really told anything differently. Yeah. You're just kind of told, like, this is what you should have to put up with. Yeah. And, like, that's where I think you have to put up with. Mm-hmm. Not that, like, your pleasure comes first or anything like that. Um, yeah. It was a really, like, honest portrayal of that, like, of, like, disregarding women for their own sexual pleasure. Yeah. And it was real shit. Um, <laughs> and I really liked that eventually like the messaging well like the messaging the whole way through was like it's okay to seek help it just took queen a little bit of a little bit of time to like get that help um and you're not bringing shame to your family or anything like that um yeah Mm -hmm. um and then in regards to friendship the genuine bond that she has with her two friends one of the friends she's known for a very long time and one of them is like slightly more recent but they are like quality friends. And I don't think that like time is a thing that you can like really mm-hmm. label onto friendships because friendships can yeah. ebb and flow over time. But yeah. even if you know somebody for a, like a relatively short space of time, they can still be a really good quality friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I really enjoyed this book. Um, but when I looked at some of the reviews of it so it's not really like a dislike of mine but like a more like a caution some of the reviews I read on it were that train of thought sometimes just goes completely blank um (laughs) so I read some reviews to see how others found it because I'm not a woman of color and I just wanted to see and there was some people that like commented on like Goodreads that they didn't really like the novel in the way that it did portray women of color and like I can get that um maybe there was some bits that they maybe thought were too like I don't know stereotypical I don't really know that's not really for me to like comment largely upon but for me I I thought that it was a, a very good insight for me into like racism that you just like receive on like going to see a medical professional mm-hmm. or in your everyday life when people just comment on how your body is like I just thought it was a like interesting for me to read um well and on like so the author is black right yeah okay, and that's what so... I thought too. it's not like a white person is trying to describe a black person's yeah. experience and often authors root their things in their own personal experiences so i yeah. think that like she like um carty williams is not going to write something that is not honest from her perspective she's going to yeah. write something that she believes is truly honest so mm-hmm. i if where some people are saying oh i don't really think that that's like the way it is yeah, that, but that's your own opinion. That's maybe what you've personally experienced. But the yeah. author themselves, um, they're living in London and very much, like, I feel like embedding all of that in accurately. Yeah, and I don't think it's that she's discounting other people's no, experiences. No, not at all. But this is, like, what she's experienced. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway. But I definitely, like, I thought it was a solid read and it's very funny and clever but like 
heartbreaking at the same time. Mm-hmm. And just like a she like Queenie herself is very, very funny and mm-hmm. like jokes a lot about like things in her life and just like generally is a very funny person. Um, but it's a very honest book and I I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um Yeah. I think so, I'm gonna give it a read. It sounds good. Yeah. And this um the cover of it's really pretty, but this is the British cover because I it was when I ordered a whole bunch of books to come from Waterstones in the UK. Mm-hmm. So the the cover is pink in the UK version, but I think it's orange in the Canadian version. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a darker orange, it's not like um, Home Depot B and Q orange. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's got some shiny gold bits and it's really pretty. Uh, nice. Yeah, I really like the cover of the book. Um, so for who I would recommend it to, definitely like people around my age, like in your 20s. I don't know if a larger audience than that would really appreciate for like the genius that I saw within the novel, but you never know. Um, people who are open to reading something different, but I felt that there was like a lot of references to like more like lifestyle that like we are used to. Um, mm-hmm. So that might not always appeal to everybody. Yeah. Um, definitely like coming of age, survival story um, with a little sprinkling of love in there, but I'd be cautious with the love. Um, <laughs> maybe more like self-love. There's an, yeah. definitely an appreciation for that. Um, and one of the quotes that really like to me stemmed for like friendship was, it's fairly early. I think the first time that we recorded this, I was like, oh, it was towards the end. But actually when I reread it, I was like, no, no, this is a lot closer to the beginning. Is I looked at my three friends, the lights exploding in the sky and illuminating their beautiful faces. They all represented a different part of my life, had all come to me at different times. Why they'd all stuck with me, I was constantly trying to work out. Which I think is like a really like, I don't know, I have lots of friends that I've, like I like associate with like a particular time in my life. Mm -hmm. And friends come to you at different points in your life and are like, I think meant to be there for a particular reason. Um. So I don't know, it just resonated with me really nicely. And ultimately, there is like girl power that can be found within this. Um, mm-hmm. It's maybe just not the most blatantly obvious um, yeah. girl power. Well, I think it's girl power and that she like found help in the end. And oh, yeah. I don't know how it ends, obviously, but like she found, I don't know. It seems like it would be hopeful in the end, at at the very least, because she's, like, she f- is looking for the help and she's starting to change. Yeah. So, yeah. Yay. But yeah, I would rate this uh, potentially four stars. It's a very solid book for me. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Kirsty, a Kirsty four is pretty good. Yeah, Kirsty four is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay! Good job. I I'm excited to read that one. I think it'll be good. Yeah, I'm gonna get it from the library. 
Yay. <laughs> so there you go. Okay. So. <laughs> I can't remember for the life of me what book you did. Oh, now uh, I do. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my book is called I Thought You Said This Would Work by Anne Garvin. Mm-hmm. Published in 2021 by Lake Union Publishing in Seattle. Um, yeah. Oh, I forgot that I, you did I, that with all of her books. I, like, didn't say anything. Um, oh, that's fine. I don't know if I should be. I'm just trying to give, you know, credit. I don't know. Um, okay, so uh, I really got to start, like, doing books I actually liked. Because <laughs> once again, I was not a huge fan of this book. Um, it did get 4.2 out of 5 stars on Goodread, so I, it seems like I'm an outlier in thinking that it wasn't great, but um, I'll, start, I'll start with a bit of a description here. Um, here we go. A road trip can drive anyone over the edge, especially two former best friends. In best-selling author Anne Garvin's funny and poignant novel about broken bonds, messy histories, and the power of forgiveness. Widowed Samantha Arias hasn't spoken to Holly Dunphy in forever. It's for the best. Samantha prefers to avoid conflict. The blisteringly honest Holly craves it. What they still have in common puts them both back on speed dial. A mutual love for Katie, their best friend of 25 years, now hospitalized with cancer and needing one little errand from her old college roomies. It's simple. Travel cross-country together, steal her loathsome ex-husband's VW camper, find Katie's diabetic Great Pyrenees at a Utah rescue, and drive him back to Wisconsin. If it'll make Katie happy, no favor is too big. 100 pounds, too daunting, 2,000 miles, or too illegal-ish, even when a boho D-list celebrity hitches a ride and drives the road trip in fresh directions. Samantha and Holly are following every new turn towards second chances, unexpected romance, and self-discovery and finally blowing the dust off the secret that broke their friendship. On the open road, they'll try to put it back together, for themselves and especially for the love of Katie. So, yes. I wouldn't say that I enjoyed this book. Yep. <laughs> Overall, like, it was definitely um, a really good story. Like, so, basically, like, this woman is like had these three college roommates that she was best friends with and then like when they graduated she like had a falling out or she had a falling out with one of them but she doesn't really know what happened like she hasn't spoken to her like since they graduated college and she doesn't really know why she's so mad but like every time like she didn't she wasn't there for like any of her big moments in life and mm -hmm. they don't like speak like they used to like they used to be well they used to live together so they used to be like the best of friends yeah um and she like the main character samantha doesn't really know why yeah um but so but she's still like best of friends with katie and katie was basically like her partner in life because her husband ends up dying fairly young mm -hmm. and it comes out that like she didn't really have a great relationship with her husband okay um and he was kind of mm, he he might have been like a bit like verbally abusive i don't think he ever like hit her or anything like that but he also like was a gambler and ah. like like basically 
gambled all their money away. So like when she had, he he passed away like very close to the birth of like their child, and it like comes out that he like basically like gambled all their money away, and so she basically had this baby and had to um, provide for it, and like because she was out of money she had to go back to work right away and it was just like Mm -hmm. her life was very difficult because of this man basically screwing her over yeah so after he passes away katie basically becomes her like life partner because she never gets remarried she does she never wants to like go through the same thing that she went through with her first husband and it also comes out that like her dad was similar Mm -hmm. like in, in the treatment of her mom so uh, I think she just becomes kind of afraid of of coming go, um, of being in a relationship again. Mm-hmm. So she never dates, and now, then at some point, I'm not really sure. I can't remember how long ago she said it was, but Katie went through cancer treatments once before, mm-hmm. and she was basically like there, like sh- like in the same way that Katie was her life partner, like trying to raise her daughter, like she was there for Katie when when she was diagnosed with cancer and Mm -hmm. she was like her caretaker basically yeah because it it comes out that katie kind of has a shitty husband there's just shitty husbands all around really in this book Um, (laughs) seems a theme between them both (laughs) shitty man shitty man (laughs) big surprise but um yeah so like when katie is diagnosed with cancer her husband like can't deal with it and leaves her yeah, so sh- shitty men, I guess. Uh, but I mean, then um, maybe I can kind of understand the reason for having all these shitty men is to highlight the, the female friendship. Yeah. Because like they basically become their partners, like they become each other's life partners, and they're there for they're there for everything for each other. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's kind of the premise of the story. Um. So Katie has some weird scans so she's in the hospital again and her like basically emotional support dog was stolen by this shitty husband yeah and she's like you need to go get him because if i have to go through cancer treatments again i can't do it without him yeah his name's peanut he sounds pretty cute um (laughs) but he also has like issues so like he's diabetic and needs to have like an insulin shot every however long so that like that's how she gets both of them to go because like i said before they they like holly and samantha haven't spoken in like 20 years Mm -hmm. and she needs both of them to go because one of them needs to drive and one of them needs to like administer these like insulin shots for this dog um so yeah that's basically the premise of the story they have to go on this big road trip to pick up this animal and they have to get him all the way back so that Katie can have him for her treatments. Um, yeah, so one of the things I didn't love, and I feel like I've said this before with other books too, is that there's just too much happening mm-hmm. in in the story. So there's like the friendship between Katie and Holly and how like they're dancing around. Like it's obviously revealed in the end what cause them to to break apart but like so there's that and then there's like they add on this other girl who like shows up in the airport Mm -hmm. 
um her name's summer and she like sits next to samantha on the plane and like basically attaches herself so they're like and then she's like kind of like this woo woo like spiritual so they're going to california so i don't know if that's what has to because i feel like maybe the author feels like californians are kind of like this but she's like really (laughs) spiritual and like kind of like it's like it's almost like she has like a like a sixth sense kind of thing and she's like oh i can tell that you are having issues or that you're going through a tough time in your life or blah blah blah, whatever it is that she's but and then she like attaches herself to this trip um and then like event like throughout the story like they go to this rescue that this dog is at and like samantha meets like a guy like a veterinarian there and like so she's like sort of starting to like think about maybe dating again and then there's also like her daughter is going off to college so she's dealing with that yeah there's just all of these things that are introduced i also think it's very hilarious like i was just thinking i was like oh like why would you like be talking to somebody on the plane like yes covid well one i like very rarely would like if i was ever sitting to like run next to random people like very rarely ever really talk to people because i don't i'm kind of awkward yeah. like i suppose i have Me talked too. to like random people on the plane so if i've been traveling alone they're like oh like where you're traveling what you're doing yeah but covid has changed that you don't talk to anybody yeah. <laughs> and, no. and honestly it's great if you're like introverted because then you don't really have to make an effort to talk to somebody um yeah. But well, I can definitely see that, like, so, like not to throw shade to Evan, but Evan would, like, make friends with everybody on the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to say, uh, being married to Evan is, there's a lot of great things about it because he is an extrovert and he can get us really awesome shit, like closer seats at a concert, which has happened. Yeah. He, like, got to chatting, like, with a security guy and he was like, oh, uh, these people have, like, better seats. Do you want them? Yeah. Like... So, like, it definitely has its advantages, but when I'm bawling my eyes out in the Regina airport because we're moving to Nova Scotia and I'm moving away from my family for the first time, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is my girlfriend. We're, uh, we're moving to Nova Scotia, but don't worry. She's coming on her own. Like, she, I'm, not, I'm not kidnapping her. Yeah, That's she's coming willingly. Like. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, but um, I was just thinking, like, just in relation of COVID, like, obviously, like, things have slightly changed. You don't really generally make friends at the airport anymore um it's so weird to like read books and watch shows and movies and stuff now and like things that were like from before well even now i think that they're pretty much back to normal like filming stuff yeah but like it's just so weird like thinking about how things have changed yeah like and you're like that would never happen in covid times like no yeah so sorry it made me laugh when you were saying about it (laughs) Anyway, my point was that there's just, like, all of these things in her life and all of these issues that come up. So, it, it like, it turns out that she's really not in a great, like, mental health space and she's gone to see counselors and stuff like that. And, like, the issues with her dad and, like, her husband, it's all, like, brought up. But then I feel like not all of it is resolved in the end. Mm. So that's kind of frustrating. Um, and then... Yeah, so that like having all of those different things, it just felt very frantic. Yeah. And I can understand like why the author might want it to feel frantic because 
the situation is kind of panicky. Like you're trying to, you, you're on a timeline, you have to get to and from a place at a certain amount of time. And it's like, you're worried mm-hmm. about your friend because she may or may not have cancer. And like, so I can kind of get where she's going with like the franticness. Yeah. And so that makes sense. But the way that it's written is very like you can tell that it's thoughts pinging around in samantha's head like she's just having all of these different thoughts constantly Mm -hmm. and it's just like pinging from one thing to another like seemingly with no thread between them which i think that's how like people normally think yeah definitely like written as more like stream of consciousness yeah but and i guess maybe maybe some people like that but i was just so like I just did not like that. It just felt very... It can be overwhelming um, yeah. when you read a book yeah, like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it just it was really hard because it was kind of all over the place like that. Um, but that being said, so I, I didn't really love the book. And maybe it was not meant for me mm-hmm. because it's older women right like it's all they're in their like 40s 50s yeah so like maybe i just don't have the life experience to like appreciate like i appreciated that some things and there's definitely some really good nuggets Mm -hmm. in the book but like maybe it's just i don't yeah maybe the demographic was off not me yeah yeah (laughs) yeah um However, that being said, I do think that it perfectly encapsulates the theme of female friendship Mm -hmm. because it depicts a bunch of different kinds of female friendship. Yep. So it is perfect for this theme. So here, here, here's the different kinds of female friendship I think that are in it. So Holly and Katie. So Holly is the, and she's very, like the characters are portrayed as very aggressive. She's a lawyer, so she can talk her way out of every, of anything. Mm -hmm. She is, um, she's basically Katie's advocate. Mm -hmm. So she's like the kind of friend where it's very fierce and protective. Yeah. Which I don't think she goes about everything the right way. And I think a lot of people who are like that, like driven, don't always go about things the right way. But I think it's important to have friends like that in your life. Like people that will stand up for you no matter what. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that it's really important to have friends like that because sometimes you won't, you can't stand up for yourself. Yeah, sometimes you need so, that extra advocate in your life to almost take charge and be like, no, 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 you need this. Like, yeah. don't back down. This is what you truly want. Stick your ground. Yeah. So, like, she is, like, in, like she's introduced in the book. Uh, well, you see her for the first time in the book, and she's, in, like, in Katie's hospital room. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, on the phone with the insurance company because the insurance company, like, won't cover stuff, mm-hmm. tests, or whatever it is. So she's, like, trying to get them. Like, she's handling that for Katie. Yeah. And I feel like that's, yeah, you need that. Like, especially for Katie. Like, she, that's the last thing she needs to be worried about is, like, being on the phone with, like, insurance people trying to figure out. Yeah. So, and then, like, also, like, in the same scene, she's, like, talking to the doctors and being, like, you need to be treating her with respect and blah, blah, all that stuff. So, yeah, I think it's really good to have a friend that's, that will fight for you when you can't fight for yourself. 
Um, so then there's Sam and Katie, and that's more like for both of them for each other. I think they're like the nurturing, loving, um, almost like motherly kind of role for each other. And like I said before, like they're like life partners. Yeah. So like Sam was there and she was taking care of other things for Katie in the same way that like Holly was advocating for her. Mm-hmm. She was like making sure she was eating. She was holding her hair back when she was throwing up. Like she was there for all of the treatments. So and I think that's just as important of a friend to have because you still you still need to have like the gentle the gentle touch too. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just as important to ha- to make sure that you're being cared a- like cared for in that way as well. Yeah. Um, as being protected. Um, so then there's like Holly and Sam, which is they I think is an interesting one because they were like probably even closer than like Sam and Katie were when they were younger. And then they there was a misunderstanding that tore them apart. And so they haven't been friends, but there's always been that kind of the hurt there. And like, I think at least like you're only you're only hearing it from from Sam's perspective, but she mm-hmm. always wanted to like go back to it. Mm-hmm. But she because she was so afraid of confrontation, she never wanted to bring it up. She didn't want to have the fight, basically. Yeah. Um. But it, it is such a deep friendship that there's always hope for it, I think. Yeah. And, like, spoiler, but I don't think it's a spoiler because you probably can see it coming. They do end up, get, like, mm-hmm. becoming friends again at the end. So I think that, that it's, it's important to maybe examine your own actions and like and you know there's always like growth that happens over time so they were only however old when they had this this misunderstanding and they let it stop them from like having a really great friendship but i mean like i said like things um you know, you have to grow sometimes mm-hmm. in, in order to to be friends again. And I think maybe that's what they needed. They needed to um, have their life experience to realize what they had in each other. Yeah. Just like from the first time that we recorded to this time, I don't think I realized that they were like a good bit older. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> at this point in their lives, I think that I, and maybe it's just because like we're in our late 20s that I just like, automatically presume when they're talking about being a little bit older they're not much like that much older than we are um it wasn't until you said and i'm like oh okay so it does seem like a little interesting that this is all pretty chaotic for being like or like what you presume is like a very stable point in your life um yeah yeah that's a good point too um but i think sam's life was like was just chaos yeah because, like, I don't think it was necessarily that she was making wrong choices or anything like that, but she was also just, like, doing what she knew. So she was dating, like, her dad treated her mom shittily, and then she started dating this guy who treated her shittily. And it's just kind of, like, the, the continuation of trauma. Yeah. Um, And then her husband died, so then she had to 
deal with that and like mm-hmm. deal with the feelings of like she wasn't really that sad that her husband died yeah like she felt i think it even describes at one point in the book that she was almost relieved so like there's that and then she has to deal with raising a daughter on her own and yeah all her feelings about like holly and like why why they didn't why she wasn't coming around why she wasn't talking to her why she just left after graduation yeah um yeah so then there's so the last one is like sam and summer so summer is like the d-list celebrity who like um attaches herself basically okay to the trip and but they end up becoming really close in the Mm -hmm. end and she basically becomes like part of the crew and so that i think that kind of represents like new friendships and kind of like how you were saying like it doesn't you don't necessarily have to be friends with somebody for a long time to have an instant bond with them yeah and yeah there's just sometimes those people who you feel like you have that instant connection with Mm -hmm. and it's like you've known them for your whole life kind of like soulmates i like i think yeah definitely like um and sometimes like sometimes obviously you need a bit more time to get to know people and to have that connection but i think there's definitely some people that you're like oh like we've kind of always known each other i don't maybe maybe that's a bit woo woo but there's definitely people in my life that i've met and i was like this like we are supposed to be friends yeah so I definitely, like, in some ways I felt that with you, but I think I was also, like, I'm just very nervous as a person, so, like, I was, like, oh, <laughs> like, um, I didn't want to, like, force myself, like, to, like, for you to, like, be my friend, but, like, I was, like, oh, yeah. I definitely feel like we are, like, there's a lot of, like, things that we find very similar and stuff, kindred and then over spirits. time, yeah, kindred spirits, and then over time I was just, like, yeah, no, we are friends, and, <laughs> yeah, well, but also making, but I think that's also just like a thing of like making friends as adults. I find it, I'm way more hesitant because this seems like there's a lot more, not just like at stake, but like if you're going to dedicate your time and effort to people, you want to be making it for people that you like want to be spending oh. time with. So, 100%. Um, I, I find don't have time yeah. to be fake. Like, I don't, like, I don't have, like, I don't have, I don't have the patience. Like, I don't want to spend time with people that I don't like yeah like, why would I do that like, so I, I think that in some ways that's maybe why like to start off with I was like oh I don't want to like pressure Nikki too much to like no. be my friend because I was like hesitant but I definitely feel like in a lot of ways we're in the grand scheme of like my life we are newer friends but we are definitely deeper friends yeah <laughs> that sounds weird but I, I know what you mean. <laughs> and let's hope um, that everyone else knows what we mean, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, like, it's it's crazy. And we talk about it all the time that, like, if I hadn't moved to Nova Scotia, which is something that I wasn't stoked about, mm-hmm. but, like, that's where I met Emily. Mm-hmm. And, like, Emily was definitely someone I felt like, hi, Emily, I hope you're listening. You better be listening. You told me you would listen. But, um like she was definitely somebody I felt like I had an instant connection with Mm -hmm. but then like that led to this and I think that's I feel like fate yeah 
because we were miserable in Vancouver and like having you guys like you like having you guys there was like the same in grace basically and our mm-hmm. last year there was great because because you were there yeah so it's kind of crazy that like us moving to Nova Scotia led to this and now we're doing this podcast yeah and now like we have this great relationship so it's kind of crazy to think that like that could happen yeah I love things like that I know it's crazy to think yeah um so yeah uh, no matter what I felt about the book, there de- like I said before, there's definitely some really great little quotes and, and nuggets. Um, and it really felt like going to therapy. So I'm going to read. I have some. I feel like I picked too many quotes. Do I pick too many quotes? No. <laughs> okay. Because, like, even look at, like, so this is the book I'm reading for, like, two episodes from now. And, that, like, I'm not even halfway through yet <laughs> already. Like, this is what I have. So. That's a few. I might not read them all, but anyway. Those are, like, all of these and, like, all of these quotes that I'm going to read now are, like, times in the book where I was, like, I would stop and I would think about what that meant to me and, like, how I could relate to what the author is saying. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's, anyway. Okay, so this one is, like, from when um, Katie um, is first finding out that she's sick and she's in the hospital again. Um, So it says, Cancer accepted no substitutes. That was why we all shuddered when the word was uttered. Cancer was synonymous with loss of control for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard one because I think, like, a lot of people, so many people have to deal with cancer. And as someone who values having control it's really scary to think like what could happen if like someone, if I, or if someone I love got cancer, because I have had a lot of family members pass away from it. And it's just such a scary thing to watch because it's like, you you can't, you can't do anything. There's nothing you can do about it. No. Like you just have to hope that the treatment works and like half the time it, it doesn't. And it's just really, it's a really shitty thing to have to watch somebody go through. Yeah, the idea of losing, like, any element of control in your life is very terrifying. And I think that that's why, like, living through, like, pandemics and things like that, when certain controls are taken from you, it's led to a lot of people not doing very well. Because, like, those small little things that you had control of in your life, you no longer have control over. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, that's also where you have to, like, deal with certain things of, like, you have to be okay with things not being within your control. But I think when it comes to things like cancer, that's, you're essentially just like relinquishing all of the controls you have in your life to healthcare professionals to help you. And it's scary. And um, yeah, I don't really know if there's anything else you can say on that because it's just (laughs) terrifying. And like the idea of that, that, that potentially at some point in your life that could happen. And like, whenever you think oh my god like is that like a lump is that something that shouldn't Mm -hmm. be happening with my body like Mm -hmm. one of the first things you Mm -hmm. think of is oh my god I have cancer and the fear that that puts in you and like even just like saying oh my god could that be Mm -hmm. we all have this like fear it's such a terrifying notion because like you hear of people who recover 
all the time but you also hear mm-hmm. people who don't all the time mm-hmm. and i don't think mm-hmm. that there would be pretty much anybody in the wor- world potentially that you does not know somebody that passed away from cancer yeah uh, which is a terrifying true. prospect um yeah yeah so so th- like that's kind of why this maybe that's also why i didn't enjoy the book as much is because it's so hard to read about that stuff mm-hmm. after watching somebody you love go through it because it's it traumatizing hor- horrible memories yeah so yeah so i just liked that that quote um so this one actually has to do with um kind of the friendship between all three of the women so no, if she had called Holly, she needed the kind of person who could smite a rapidly dividing cell with a look, wrangle an arrogant doctor to her knees, and throttle an insurance company with clever legalese. She needed a sanctimonious, irreverent, inappropriate humor-filled bitch. <laughs> As I say before, like, how, like, everybody needs that kind of friend, I think, in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also kind of has to do with how, like, jealous Sam gets a bit of, of Holly. Mm-hmm. Because she's, that's, like, like, she says at the beginning, she called, like, oh, actually, I don't think it says that here. No. But, like, at like at the beginning, she gets a bit upset that Katie called Holly first. Yeah. Which she called her right after, so it's not even, like, it's a competition, but I don't know. I, I can kind of understand that, because I think I'm a very jealous friend, and that's, like, my worst trait. <laughs> yeah, I think I I am also a very jealous like person in general, and yeah, I don't. It doesn't sit well with me um, when I think of things too long. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's even funny, like um, how almost competitive. But the, I think this is more like yeah. competitive, not jealousy. Um, when Joseph asked both of his brothers which one, because he asked them both to be his best men, mm-hmm. um both of them were like who did you call first and i won't <laughs> yeah. disclose who he actually called because i was present for both yeah. phone calls but um right. he like w- made them both feel like they were special but he did actually have to call <laughs> physically call somebody first um to ask well, yeah. so yeah so i i mean and i just i don't really like it's even like when i don't know it's like when like your best friend says somebody else is their best friend it's like ouch i know yeah <laughs> and it's not that you're not their best friend either yeah i think i i don't know i didn't grow up with like one best friend for my whole like all the way through school or anything like that i like definitely went in and out of different friend groups and now i have like in scotland i have my like core friendship group like it like didn't really shift after that um but like through time you go through ebbs and flows and I think with me too because I've moved a bunch of times like Mm. that has changed things so when my friends that I left the place that's that's them and then when I moved to another place that's them and then when I moved like yeah yeah yeah, um and then it's people that you keep in touch with that yeah or then you're like core core people people. um when I like go back and or like with any sort of friendship and people are like oh like my best friend oh, yeah. like whoever mm-hmm. i'm like yeah oh 
okay. Yeah. Um, but I guess like I've never really had that like one person throughout like my whole life. Um but like there's nothing wrong with that too. But I think when you're growing up, you often see people like within media of like just having that like one best friend forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard, but now I wouldn't change it because I have so many people that I would consider like close friends best friends like um I'm very lucky but I think when you're growing up it's kind of a challenging notion to wrap your head around that you maybe don't have one singular person um yeah well I think for me I was like well I always had my best friend Cammie hi Cammie um like we grew up next door to each other so Mm -hmm. we literally were friends since we were born basically Um, so I definitely never felt like I didn't have like that one person but for me it was that I always wanted like a group like I always wanted that girl squad you know Mm -hmm. and I think I had a few like over the years but like the first one I had like like going through elementary school and like going through high school like a bit of high school I kind of realized like I realized now that it wasn't a really a great and I think maybe it's just because, you know, when you're young and, like, going through puberty, like, everything is fucked up. But it wasn't really a great friendship group. Like, it was kind of toxic in a way. Yeah. Um. So now I'm really great. Like, I've had, and, like, even since, like, graduating high school and stuff, I've had a few, like, girl groups. And now, like, some of them, like, have, I haven't kept up with some of them as much. But now I feel like I have even though it's like kind of separate people, like I have a great group of friends. Yeah. And like, since the wedding and stuff, like when everybody got together and everybody was like, like together and they all got along, like that was a great thing to see for me. Mm -hmm. And I realized that like, yeah, I'm, I'm like associating myself with the right people because they all get along with each other and like, Mm -hmm. they're similar. And yeah. So I think that was my thing was that I always wanted to have a group, but I think I do have one. Yeah. Even though they don't all hang out together all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, okay. This one's just kind of interesting because I feel like I'm the same way. So, um, this, so Samantha, like the main character has this like, dis- like sleep disorder mm-hmm. where she just like, when she gets stressed, she, falls asleep like almost <laughs> like almost like narcolepsy but like it's just like she has to be like super stressed out and then she just like can't stay awake which well, i feel like that's a like a symptom of like extreme stress um because yeah. i know like if i have a really really stressful day at work or when i was like at peak anxiety i'd come home and be like i need to go have a nap for like an hour um yeah because I can't deal with everything that's going on. And it is, I, I'm pretty sure it's like a, a, a res- like your body's response to stress. It just shuts down. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I definitely think that's what it is. Um, so anyway, here's a quote. In a way, that, that urge to fight and nap characterized my, li- characterized my life in general and any difficult relationships I had. If someone, my father or my husband, made me mad, I got stressed and then lethargic in that order. That was how my sleep disorder worked. So I just feel like, I don't think I ever got, like, that stressed out or mad. But, like, I remember when we were in Greece, I was already, like, I had, like, a bit of an upset stomach and we were getting on a ferry. 
And I was like, I'm not going to feel good because it was like one of those really fast ones that like took you there in like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is not going to be good. Like, I'm going to feel shitty. So <laughs> I literally just like sat down on the ferry and put my head on my backpack and just fell asleep. Yeah. Because I just was like, nope, can't, can't mm-hmm. deal with it. So I just thought that that was kind of interesting because I feel like that's kind of sometimes how I deal with stress too is just sleep. Yeah. Ooh, this is a good one. Um, Even for good friends, it was easy to drift apart. Add our life inexperience to the fraying thread of our friendship. We didn't know how lucky we were and we let it go. Like it was a bit of fluff and not a lifeline. So I think that kind of describes like... um, uh, Like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if you've ever felt like you lost a good friend. I feel like every, every friend that I've lost, it wasn't, it was for the best kind of thing. So I don't know if I can really relate to that, but I can understand, like, you know, maybe regretting some of your actions when it comes to losing a friend. Um, yeah, I, I can, like, think of, like, one like, cause like, I feel like a lot of friendships ebb and flow and like, we maybe lose friends and particularly when you're a teenager, like, I think when mm-hmm. you lose friendships, then it can be over like stupid stuff. And like that, I don't really consider not important, but like, uh, like I still like, there's just supposed a certain like heartbreak to that, but I feel that that's almost like dissected that happened in a time in my life where I was a little bit more immature mm-hmm. in my adult life. Now, fair enough, it's still your early teens, or early teens, early 20s, so it's still probably not that mature. Um, I did lose a friendship, but it was due to, like, a breakup. So I broke up with someone, and we were all, like, friends in a group. And I still, like, tried to maintain that friendship for quite a while. And I don't think it was anybody's, like, fault, so to say. Like, um, but I can understand that the other individual um they maybe just like felt that they were more friends with the other person but like to me it felt like they picked a side and Mm -hmm. to start off with I was like we don't want you picking sides that's not what we're doing but I definitely feel that for them it was like well I was the one to break up with that person so I was the cause so Mm -hmm. and like I moved on fairly quickly but mm-hmm. I, in for me, that was a toxic and abusive relationship. So I really did have to disconnect from it. And it took me a long time to realize that about the relationship. But not having that friend be who I thought was like a key friendship in my life. Not having that person really be within my life after that. And they like, they went on, they met Joseph, um... But then, like, a, like a little while had passed. We were then moving to BC. They didn't come to the the little party we were having. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to like keep up the friendship, like messaging and stuff. Um, but there just wasn't, I think, the same effort to keep up the friendship because then I was I had yeah. moved away too. So like, why? Yeah. So there was like yeah. multiple things I think from like their perspective. Um, and then we met up a little while ago and after we met I was like you know what Joseph like that was really lovely and I do miss spending time with that person but you know what if that friendship goes I think I'll be okay with it but it took me all that time until meeting them the last time that like we were 
well, not the last time we were in Nova Scotia, but like a while ago that I was like, yeah, I can probably let that friendship go. Um, yeah. And it wasn't that like meeting up with them was fantastic. It was all great. But there was moments where I was like, this is mildly awkward because we really haven't. And it got to the point where I felt like I was making so much effort and I was always the person messaging. And I was still the person who was like, we should meet up and like made that happen. Um, yeah. yeah, but there are times where you just got to let that go. Um, yeah. And it's still like painful in some ways because like I feel like I had to almost like go through like a friend break, like a friendship breakup, like um, mm-hmm. and seeing things because like I still friend with, with them online and stuff because like you don't cut off people like that. Um, but it was hard seeing that the person that I previously dated like attended their wedding and mm. in some ways it was like yeah. oh well that sucks because like we were really good friends and like um yeah yeah just yeah. kind of like shitty but yeah. these things happen and I feel like I've grown yeah. from it as much as it still makes me like sad to think about that friendship and stuff like that we had our good moments we had our laughs but I'm a different person now. They're a different person now. Yeah. It happens. And it doesn't always, it's not always, com- you're not always compatible. Yeah. After you both change. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So then kind of the same, this was, this was really um, hard. Um, when girls were friends, it was like a beautiful bouquet of funny flowers, eternally watered by their togetherness. When the friendship failed, it was an ice storm on a hothouse plant. So that's kind of the same. And I mean, like, like adding to what we were talking about with the last one, it's like girls can be horrible to each other. Yeah. So, which is sad. And I think maybe we're, we're starting to go in the other direction of like supporting each other. But like for so long, I think like a lot of media and a lot of like society was saying like, you're always in competition with other women. So it was really hard to, break free from that and like try to like not be uh, not be in competition mm-hmm. with everyone even your friends so um yeah 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 but trying to be supportive of other people all the time like you can understand why certain people are just like not here for it but it makes me so sad when like women like tear each other down or like laugh at other women or anything like that it's like no 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 yeah why why can't we be like having this like solidarity as the constant rather than the tearing each other down like it's i feel we are getting better but there's still work to be done on that um i feel lucky too that like any of my friendships that have like kind of become nothing Mm -hmm. It was never, like, a huge blowout, or we didn't, like, nobody ever said anything Mm -hmm. that, like, they wanted to take back in the end. It was just kind of like a, we stopped talking. Mm -hmm. So, I, like, still wish the best for all those people. Yeah. Um, And that's, like, me. I would never wish ill on this person either that I was talking about, but um, just, like, for me, it feels like, well, I I can probably just let that friendship go. Like, I know them, and that's fine, but, like considering them like a close friend or anything like that nah i gotta let them go it's not yeah yeah so that one's kind of brutal thinking about how how women can 
sometimes be really mean. Um, this one is great, and it, I think it's actually a really great uh, life life pro tip. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, for some context, so, so she's talking about a time that she went to therapy, and this, and her therapist was like helping her to like deal with people's comments. Like I think she was going through a lot of stuff with like different parents at her um her daughter's school like when she started to get a bit older there was a lot of people like trying to set her up and she was just like not interested in that and she didn't know like how to tell people mm-hmm. no basically or like she wasn't interested mm-hmm. so she says as i said thanks is one also try we're different good to know hmm i'll think about that and if they say something offensive, just say, go Badgers, and don't follow up with anything. Go Badgers? Look, an inappropriately aggressive or intentionally wacky question or statement deserves an equally wacky response. Yeah. So I think that's, like, really interesting, and I think I'm going to use that from now on. Like, when somebody says something ridiculous to me, just be like, go Badgers. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's also some really great, like, ways to, like, respond to people. And I feel like, like, especially when you're getting married or like when you are buying a house, like, like lots of people will have opinions. Everybody's going to have an opinion about your life, no matter what you're doing. It doesn't even have to be like when you're buying a house or getting married, but like it's sometimes, and like, if you don't want to start a fight, sometimes it's good to say, okay, I'll think about it. Thanks. Thanks Mm -hmm. for that. Or like, good to know. Like, you know, and so, but like... Yeah, I think that's something that I maybe to need to, like, think about. There's been things, like, in my life, like, recently that, like, of, like, making decisions and I'm just like, oh, okay, thank you. Like, I think I'm just going to discuss that with, like, my husband first, but meaning, like, I'm going to go my own way. Um, yeah. <laughs> and not necessarily take on what he's saying, but, like, it's a decision that, like, we as a couple need to make. You giving your own opinion, like, that's fine, but especially if I already know what my decision is and they're <laughs> saying, but this is what you should do. I'm like, yeah, but no, like, yeah, that's not, you don't understand all of the factors. And even if I explain all of the factors to you, you're going to have your biases on things. So mm-hmm. like, maybe it's just uh, like ultimately for me and my partner to decide on what we're doing with our lives, not for you to tell yeah. us. Um, yeah. but I think thank you is such a good response too to that to just be like thank you and I think I need to maybe just say that more often because when I yeah. then get like slightly defensive then I'm like oh maybe I shouldn't have said it that way um yeah well I mean I mean no I think you should be able to be like you should be able to say like like no yeah <laughs> like, I'm doing it my own way but also I think it's just like just be like Maybe it's more about, like, when you know people have the best intentions, Mm -hmm. but it's just not coming off the right way. Yeah. Just saying, okay, thanks. Like, maybe that's the best way to deal with it. Um, Okay, so this is... um, I'll just... I knew what Maddie would say watching this interaction. So Maddie is her daughter also. Mm Mm-hmm. She'd say, Mom, why are you so nice to Holly when she's so mean to you? The answer was simple. I wanted her to love me again. I knew it was piteous. Maybe it was part of that weird thing we humans do. We only want to be a member of the club that won't have us. Maybe it was my almost desperate need to be liked. 
and here this person was, wildly aggressively not liking me. And I think that's like, (laughs) that's definitely relatable for me because it's like, and like even when like I don't I don't know I think now that I've gotten older it's it's not so much an issue but like definitely when you're younger like a teenager you just want everybody to like you and yeah. I think I definitely still still have a bit of that like I don't but I it doesn't bother me if people like don't want to be friends with me it's a bit different now like I don't like it when people don't like me or when I'm in trouble mm-hmm. but like I don't need to be their friends like for example like with work or something Mm -hmm. like that like i can like the i i'm sure there's tons of people who don't like me i'm not for everybody but it doesn't bother me as much as it used to it still does a bit but i can go home and be like i have i have people who do like me and i know there's people that like me so i'm okay like i'll be okay the older you get the more perspective you get on like not everybody's gonna like me i remember like I think it had been like early teenager years when there was somebody that like was in the same year as me at school and other people who I were friends with they like had like hung out with this person and they were like oh yeah they don't like you and that like still sits like it is so ridiculous that still sits with me today which is so dumb yeah but like yeah I definitely like as an adult don't get as upset when people are like oh yeah like I don't know, but like, still, when you go to like a party and you're meeting different people and stuff, you you still want people to like you. I don't think that there's yeah that will that's like it's something that's like inherent, or at least for me anyway. But um, there's less pain involved with that if you then find out that somebody's like, oh, like they, I don't think they really like you. It's like, all right, whatever. Well, like I'm not that yeah. And, yeah that and also like, um maybe it's more about like I don't care if people I don't like don't like me yeah like that I think that's what it has to do more with it's like oh I don't particularly care for you and I'm not gonna try to make you like me Mm -hmm. and we're just gonna you know I'm gonna be polite still and you know I'm not gonna be mean but I'm not gonna make any grand efforts to make you like me because why would I care yeah I don't like if I don't like you I I I don't think anything of your opinion basically um this one's good we were so young I don't think we should blame our younger selves for not being our older more experienced self and that's a hard one to come to terms with because like there's so many things when I was younger that I'm like ugh it's not even necessarily that I regret it, but it's, like, especially, like, oh God, like, Facebook loves to remind you of, like, all the really annoying, weird, dumb shit that you said when you were a teenager. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, oh, my God, that's really gross to look at that. But, I mean, I guess that, like, when I was younger, that, like, what what I did got me to here, so I guess it, it worked out in the end. Yeah. That's something that whenever I see something like truly embarrassing, I'm very selective of what I show Joseph. And I'm like, oh, this is like funny. So I'll let you see. And he's like, this is hilarious. So I'm very selective of like the dumb shit that I show him. Cause I'm like, yeah, sometimes I'm like, 
this history homework is so boring I'm like oh my, oh god, my good god why was I just putting that out there like I was clearly yeah, so... needing some sort of validation or attention like yeah yes oh yes. my god um, and it was just like uh yeah I don't know like all the, the like uh like putting on my pajamas watching like chick flicks this is the best night ever I'm just like okay <laughs> cool. like why did I need to cool your jets why there. did I need to yeah why did I need to like tell people that and it got like two likes like, yeah I don't know anyway oh uh, yeah so anyway point is you can't blame your younger self for not making the decisions you would make now because you didn't have all the information you have now no or the perspective on life yeah <sighs> Um, and also your brain is just like, I, I just think about how I used to think as a teenager and I'm just <laughs> oh like, God. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, and it's just like the difference between now and then I'm just like, teenagers are stupid. Like teenagers are so stupid. Yeah. And it's crazy that they think that they're the smartest people alive because they're d- the dumbest people alive. Like, and it's because their brains are yeah like swimming in hormones. Like, yeah. I remember reading something about how um, as teenagers, you don't have the perspective of like what is happening in that moment. It's not going to last forever. And I'm like, Mm. oh, fuck. Like, I wish I had known that as a teenager, because some of the decisions I made were just like like, the dumbest things ever. And like, if I had known that these things were not going to last forever, I may have made different choices because like that was so stupid. Um, Yeah. It's hard to think past it. Yeah. Like when you're a teenager, you're you're just like you think that you're so smart and so special and so amazing. Yeah. And not that you aren't those things, but you like are not those things at all. Like No. <laughs> you're definitely special in your own way, but holy fuck, I was definitely not smart at all. Um no. at least not in like the the life Oh fuck no. Street smart. Like I think I was like book smart for sure but i was definitely not like street smarts were definitely not there life smart, or life smarts know. um <laughs> yeah yeah Ugh. um okay so this is my last one promise <laughs> and this, this was kind of nice um this was the comfort of love it didn't cure cancer or reduce the pain of childbirth but it cloaked lovers friends and family in an embrace that stretched far and wide and was supremely difficult to break despite our best idiotic efforts oh yeah so that's a nice one just like and that kind of relates to like holly and katie getting back um no holly and sam (laughs) getting back together because like clearly there there was love there and yeah that's what brought them back together in the end so yeah um yeah so this book is kind of a bummer i'm not gonna lie it ends really sadly and i'm sure you can guess how it ends like it doesn't happen but it is sad to find out what happens in the end um who would i recommend this book to i i think definitely older people would like this book and i think my mom would like it because it is kind of woo-woo-y and like spiritual i guess in a way like sorry mom you're you are kind of woo-woo-y like that's that's just who you are so she might like it it's just so maybe like, like I just a found a fluff re- read, like a summer beachy kind of read. Maybe, but it is heavy. Like it, there is some really heavy parts, and she does definitely go through some really hard stuff. So, yeah, uh, yeah, 
and I, maybe it was just that I didn't like the writing style. Maybe other people would like the writing style. Mm-hmm. Um, but my rating would be uh, a three. I think a three out of five. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, it was like still a pretty good story, and like there was a lot of really great examples of like good friendships. So, like I did learn a lot from it, but I just didn't enjoy it. It was kind of a stressful read, to be honest. Yeah. And sometimes. You just don't want stress in your life. No. Yay! So yeah, there you go. That's it. Female friendships. Yay! Tell tell the women in your life that you love them. Tell yourself that you love yourself. Yeah, that's right. And that's it from us yeah. for another week. So, um, yeah. We still have a couple more weeks. Um, we're going to do another read along episode. And yep, right. the book that we have picked is Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. Yeah! I did it! You did first it. attempt! <laughs> nice! And yeah, if you want to shoot us a message, we're on Instagram, Dear Bear Book Club. You can email us if you have any thoughts about these books Mm -hmm. or if you have any suggestions for themes or if you have any suggestions for books you want us to read. Um, That's dearbearbookclub at gmail.com. Also, shout out to the people who have been listening. There's somebody who's like lighting us up in Belgium and it's really exciting. (laughs) That's crazy to think that we got that far. So thank you for listening. If that's you, um, shoot us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Um, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google, or wherever you like to listen. And that's it from us. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye.